you, and are you going to go there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, 
Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Emma, for, for reading that, and, and Ronick and the rest of the worship team for leading us in, in prayer and, and song today. And I'm excited uh, about uh, looking at this scripture, which will be a continuation of our worship. Uh, my name is Dinus, and if, if you haven't been here that long, you might be wondering who I am and, and why did they let that guy come up here. Uh, I can't, I, I'm actually wondering why they let me up here also. But, but I've, I've been here about 10 years, uh, but you, you may not know that because for the past better part of a year and a half, I've, I've been watching the, the streaming services uh, from home with my family. So it's, it's actually really good to, to be back in person and, and see people today. Uh, I'll just uh, quickly pray before we get going. Uh, Lord, thank you for today that, that we can uh, meet in person in, in these uh, different times. Uh, I just pray that y your word would, would come through uh, here and now in the rest of the service, that you would be speaking to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to jump right in because I'm a task-oriented person, and, and you can ask my wife about this if you want a second opinion. Uh, she'll, she'll tell a story that soon after we started dating, one day she called me on the phone uh, and, and I, was, I was eager to talk to her. I, I liked doing that. But I quickly became confused because she wasn't asking me any specific questions. She, she wasn't trying to convey any specific you know, news or, or information. Um, she wasn't trying to make plans. I, I didn't understand. Why doesn't she get to the point? Why is she acting this way? And, and I felt tension there. And it was only after we, we debriefed the call I understood that she was just calling because she enjoyed talking to me, and she wanted to deepen our relationship. There was, there was no purpose that, that I had been looking for. Um, she did have a purpose. It was, it was just a different one than I had been looking for. So when, when Emma read the passage for us, I feel a similar tension. It's a long passage. Why does Jesus put everyone, including himself, through so much trouble before he helps Lazarus. Why doesn't he just get to the point? I don't understand why he's acting this way. Uh, and, and, you know, we know that Jesus was capable of healing from a distance. Earlier in John, there's an official that comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to come before his child dies. And Jesus doesn't even go. Jesus just says, go, your son will live. Done. But he doesn't do that here. And not only does Jesus seem to take his time helping Lazarus, but John takes his time telling the story. The story is called the raising of Lazarus, but Lazarus is only raised in the last verse of 44 verses. It feels like such a long story. Now, you might be getting concerned here. Don't worry, I fall asleep during long sermons, so this is not going to be a long sermon about a long story. It'll be a short sermon about a long story. 
Um, yeah, but, but back to that point of tension, you know, I, we know that Jesus is capable of healing Lazarus faster and, and with less heartache, less weeping than happened. So I, I wonder, why doesn't he get to the point? Um, why, why is he acting that way? Uh, you may not have shared in that tension because this is a really familiar story. Even if you didn't grow up in the church, you've probably heard through pop culture or movies, you know, the references to the word Lazarus as being something coming back to life. We all know how this story ends. Um, so it's so easy to gloss past kind of the hardship that happened to the people in the middle of it because we know how it ends. But there might be a, you know, a story in your life right now that hasn't ended yet. You're, you're in the middle of it, and, and it's a struggle. Maybe your school or your job really isn't working out the way you wanted it to be, or, or you know someone struggling with mental health in this pandemic, or, or you see a relationship near you breaking down. Uh, and maybe you even see that Jesus, maybe he is kind of working in it, but he's not answering your prayers the way you want. It, it hasn't finished. He hasn't got to the point. Uh, it can feel like a really long story. Uh, I can think of you know, times like this in my life, um, and I think this passage can speak into those. So I'll, I'll start uh, looking, we'll, we'll work our way through the passage and see what we can learn both about that passage and, and, and in our lives today. Before this, uh, uh, in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus is in Jerusalem, he's at the temple, and he narrowly escapes being stoned to death by the Jewish leaders. So he and the disciples, they do escape, and they go quite far away. They go up past the Jordan, um, which is close to where Jesus was originally baptized. So we, we start um, with them you know, being farther from Jerusalem. Uh, and as, as I start reading the verses, you will notice I'm not hitting on every verse. Uh, that's just in the interest of saving time. So our, our passage begins by introducing some of the main characters. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, the one he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in that place where he was. We see two apparently opposing themes being introduced. First, Jesus clearly loved this family in a personal way, not just a God loves people way, but they're called out individually by name and they knew his love because when the sisters write to Jesus, they don't even name Lazarus. They just say the one who you love and they know he'll know who that is. Um, and presumably if Jesus was, familiar, was good friends with this family, then the disciples would have been acquainted if not also friends with them too. But in, a, in addition to seeing Jesus' love for this family, we see him not rushing to help them in their time of need. He doesn't immediately heal Lazarus from a distance. He doesn't leave at once to go help. He doesn't leave the next day. He waits two days. 
The only clue to his purpose uh, that's given at the start is, is Jesus says, for, for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it, which must have been a, a very confusing statement for his disciples, uh, I imagine, in that time, waiting to see what he would do. If we move on uh, in verse 7, then after this he said to the disciples let us go to judea again the disciples said to him rabbi the jews were just now seeking to stone you and you're going there again Uh, and uh, skipping to verse 14 then jesus told them plainly lazarus has died for your sake i am glad that i was not there so you may believe but let us go to him so thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples let us also go so that we may die with him. So we see here Jesus does finally make a move to help, but the situation is more complicated uh, than it first appeared because the disciples, are, are, they're not even expressing concern about Lazarus now. They're concerned about Jesus' safety and their own safety. Bethany is only an hour's walk from Jerusalem where Jesus just escaped being murdered. So they're concerned about going back there. And to top things off, Jesus informs them that Lazarus is dead, which is presumably through supernatural knowledge. We don't see him being told that. This is making less sense than it did before. Why would they now go back, after having waited so long, into danger when it's too late to help? But we do see Jesus add another clue to his mysterious purpose. Uh, For your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Now, if we pick up with uh, verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. And at 23, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So Jesus gets to Bethany, but it looks like he's too late. Not only is Lazarus dead, he's been dead four days. There was a Jewish superstition at the time that said a soul remained near the body for three days after death. But but by the fourth day, when decay had definitely begun to set in, the soul left and, and all hope of resuscitation was gone. So we see Jesus continuing to do the unexpected here. He comforts uh, the grieving Martha, who, who has cried out to Jesus for help. And he really digs in, and he, and he does start with, you know, um, more general statements along the lines of what, you know, what she's saying. He says, your brother will rise again. Um, but he quickly moves to focus on his own identity. He says, he, he doesn't say even that I have the power to resurrect Lazarus. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, which is is a big difference. Um, 
and, and not, maybe not something that, that would have been expected at the time. Martha responds by immediately professing belief in who he is. Lord, yes, I believe. And, and at first when I read this, it, it kind of felt like this conversation was just another delay on the way to heal Lazarus. But, but it's, it's actually really pivotal. And we start to see that Jesus' real priorities are far grander than just the, the temporary healing of one earthly body. Uh, he's saying, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. We pick up at verse 32, and we see the second sister now comes to Jesus. Uh, now Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. She said to him, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. We see here that Jesus cared deeply about this family and their suffering. Uh, writer Philip Yancey writes uh, about his childhood Sunday school vision of Jesus. He says that it was like a Star Trek Vulcan where Jesus remains calm, cool, and collected as he strode through uh, all the excitable human beings like a robot. That's not the Jesus that John shows us here. Jesus isn't loving in a remote, detached manner. He's showing the care in the way that people need it most. For Martha, who cried out for help, he provided hope by proclaiming his identity. When Mary wept at his feet, he wept with her. He was deeply moved. But I still felt some tension because this is the same Jesus who also delayed so long that all the hope of resuscitation faded. So let's uh, continue uh, to the last, last part. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Uh, I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing uh, around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And I'm going to add a, a bonus verse here, verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. So having uh, arrived at the tomb, Jesus doesn't immediately bring out a risen Lazarus. We see that he engages with the bystanders at every opportunity um, as he goes about the resurrection process. He, he asks for assistance and asks that requires them to trust in him. He asks them to open up the tomb 
of a decomposing body. Uh, and then he prays to God uh, in a way that's very open and public so that the people really clearly see that Jesus was sent by God himself in, in a way that would encourage their belief. And once Lazarus is raised and he walks out of the tomb, Jesus asks uh, the people, and, and very likely some of those people were the ones who had bound Lazarus's body in the first place, to unbind him. And, and through that process, you know, that would remove any possible remaining doubt that, that this was Lazarus fully restored to health. So I found as, as I came through this passage and, and looked at it with fresh eyes, I, I can see some answers uh, to the questions that had caused me tension when I first uh, read it. You know, why doesn't he get to the point? Uh, it seems like such a long story. And we see Jesus did get to the point, but he has a different purpose than we do. And he works in his time, not in our time. Uh, and, and he works to help us believe in him and to see the glory of God. And, and we can see this as we work through kind of his, his path to healing Lazarus. If he had immediately healed Lazarus from a distance or rushed back to heal him before he died, then the disciples, the sisters, and the Jewish bystanders, they wouldn't have seen such a personal demonstration of Jesus' resurrection power, uh, which is something he was already telling them about, and, and it foreshadowed his own return to life a few chapters later. Also, if he had not returned to the outskirts of Jerusalem on an apparently hopeless mission, it wouldn't have given his disciples the chance to show their faith and trust in him by choosing to accompany him on, on a visit that they thought might get them all killed. If he had rushed to the tomb as soon as he got back to Bethany, then Martha wouldn't have had the chance to receive these words from Jesus and also the chance to publicly proclaim her belief in Jesus. And, and as he was at the tomb raising Lazarus, if, if he hadn't asked them to participate, because let's get real, Jesus could probably have moved the stone by himself. He could probably have unwrapped Lazarus by himself. Um, but he asked the people to participate, and they wouldn't have seen the glory of God as clearly as when they were asked to step out in trust and participate in, in what Jesus was doing. And finally, if Jesus had healed Lazarus while he was sick, before he had died, then no mourners would have come from Jerusalem. And they would not have witnessed this miracle. And we see at the end that many of these people put their belief in him. Uh, so again, Jesus did get to the point, but it wasn't the point I expected, which, which was simply you know, helping Lazarus uh, be well again. Uh, his purpose uh, is to help us believe in him and see the glory of God. And, and he does this in his time, not in our time. Uh, so as I think about this and it relates, as it relates to some of the struggles I've you know, seen and felt in my life and, and maybe you have in yours, uh, Jesus is concerned about our earthly troubles. He does bring real healing and life in this world. Uh, but he also sees the whole picture where oftentimes, you know, I only see a little piece of it. 
he wants us to live, but not just now. He wants us to live through eternity with him. So he works through and in the struggles of this world, you know, not just to make those struggles go away, like I want, uh, but to bring us into these places of deep belief in him, uh, where we'll have life forever. Uh, so as, as we face struggles uh, and, and think about, you know, maybe why doesn't he get to the point or it seems like it's taking so long for him to answer my prayers, uh, remember Lazarus and, and it, like, how would it change our perspective if instead of feeling like Jesus was uh, not answering our prayer or not listening, if we just assumed that he was working and working in his time uh, to, to help bring us into this deep belief in him. I often find it helpful to uh, conclude a sermon with a specific takeaway that we can try to put into action through the week. Uh, so we've been talking about how Jesus works to bring us into belief in him uh, through the ups and downs of life. But so maybe to, to kind of focus that a bit, where is Jesus calling you into belief in your life? And as I looked at the passage, I, I saw two different aspects or, or facets of belief uh, described in the passage. The, the first is where um, Martha and Jesus are talking. And Jesus asks Martha if she believes if he is the resurrection and the life. And, and she, without hesitation, says yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So she proclaims who he is and states her trust in him as the one who provides life. This belief in, in the person of Jesus as the Son of God, as the resurrection and the life, this is the baseline of our faith. This is what makes us believers. Uh, so if you haven't yet really discovered who Jesus is or you're learning about him and want to know more, um, I encourage you to, to really dig in and try to get to know him better. Read these Gospels. Pray. Maybe take a step back and see how he might already be working in your life. Talk to other believers uh, so that you can get to know this Christ and, and the life he offers for those who believe in him. Now, if you've um, already placed your faith in Jesus, maybe you've been going to church your whole life, uh, if you're anything like me, you might have zoned out for the last couple of minutes. Because I, I find all too often um, when the topic of belief comes up, I think that, well, I already believe, you know. Uh, we call ourselves believers af after all. We've been there, done that. Um, but... Acknowledging that Jesus is, is Savior and, and the giver of life, this is only the beginning of our belief journey. Uh, and, and we see that later in this passage, we see a, another kind of belief uh, required of Martha, where Jesus makes a request that doesn't make sense to her. She pushes back. Jesus asks that the stone be moved. She responds by saying, Lord, by this time, there is a bad odor. Um, and uh, if, if we revert to the, the timeless prose of the King James Version, Martha says, uh, Lord, by this time he stinketh. <laughs> so from Martha's point of view, it just doesn't make sense to open the tomb. 
Remember, Lazarus was dead beyond hope of resuscitation. So opening it would only bring more grief, more sorrow. Uh, Jesus had to gently remind her that he had said she would see the glory of God if she believes. And, and they do respond. Um, they do open the stone at that point. And we see that Jesus' way was the best way because the awe and joy of seeing Lazarus emerge alive would have been magnified because moments before they would have been sweating to remove this massive stone and smelling the odor inside, knowing beyond all belief that everything inside that tomb was dead. Um, but because they did trust in Jesus in that moment, um, they, they more clearly saw the glory of God. Uh, so Jesus, you know, he's, he's saying that her response, but Lord, that's not, that's not founded in belief. He, he chides her that she needs to believe in this moment. And, and it's not that Martha renounced her earlier statement of belief. She didn't become a hypocrite or an unbeliever. It's just that she needed to grow from that starting point of, of belief in Jesus as the resurrection and the life and the Son of God. Um, she needed to grow to belief in Jesus, an everyday belief, that every day Jesus' way is the best way in, in her life. Uh, which is uh, here we, we have kind of the two. There's the belief in Jesus as the person of God, the Son of God, resurrection and life. But then, yeah, Martha, you know, really needed to put into practice every day belief that Jesus' way is the best way. And in the Gospel of Mark, we see another person struggling with this too, uh, an anguished uh, father uh, where he, who's, who's brought his son to Jesus for help. He says, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. Um, so this is, a, this is something that, that we, even as, as very uh, mature Christians, need to continue to grow in, is, is um, believing that every day Jesus' way is the best way in our life. So I encourage you this week to, to work to practice uh, that, to, to seek what Jesus' way may be, and, and try to follow it. And, and that's, that's a big topic in of itself. What is Jesus asking me to do? Um, that's for other sermons, because I'm out of time here. Um, but uh, the Sermon on the Mount says, you know, if you seek, we'll find. Knock, the door will open. So even, you know, start reading the Sermon on the Mount. Start seeking. Um, and and uh, he doesn't always lead us to the same, you know, places we want to go for ourselves, and it might look different than we're used to, but if we can put his, um, his way first, uh, then we, we might see the glory of God working in, in ways we wouldn't otherwise. We'll uh, have the worship team come back up and uh, close out with our last song. We're going to pray first. Good point, Carl. <laughs> Let's uh, pray before we do that. Our God, uh, we, we pray over, over this word. Um, pray that you would uh, continue to be, be real, not just now in this building and this morning, but uh, you'd be with us the rest of this week. Um, help us open our eyes and see uh, what you're asking us to do, whether it makes sense or not. And, and Lord, help give us the courage to, to step out in belief and faith. In Jesus' name, amen.